Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, do you mind? We're uh, we're playing through. Here's Froggy, Brian, Golf, and Wacker. It's another edition of the Playing Through podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Froggy from Elvis Duran in the Morning Show at Froggy Radio on Twitter and Instagram at Brian Wacker One on Twitter from uh, Golf Digest. Brian Golf not here today, and so usually we're talking tour players, we're talking tournaments, but today we are talking instruction how do we get me better in my golf right how do we get better so we've got the guys from me and my golf i think everybody knows andy and Piers, me and my golf golf structure just i mean complete famous guys when it comes to golf instruction they're here with us on the podcast today good morning guys how are you good morning guys how are we doing yeah we're both very well in a very uh rainy england at the moment so there's not much golf going on well you guys like to play in the what rain is don't it you? not rain in england <laughs> Come hey, on. Don't, those years are well behind us. <laughs> years ago, maybe, we were playing anything, but maybe not so much now. Right. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming. You know, the, the big talk this week, obviously, Tiger Woods. So mm. we want to ask you guys, what do you guys see that Tiger's doing different this time around that is making him so successful from maybe the past comebacks, and what's he doing different to maybe save his health and make it last a little longer? Yeah, because this this golf swing, Froggy, is vastly different than what we've seen from him the past four or five years. Oh, absolutely. What are you guys seeing different? What's good about it? Well, I think that, um, I mean, first of all, I think he's going back to how he used to swing the golf club a little bit, um, a little bit more freely. He gets a little bit more behind the golf ball. He's got his speed back. He's working the golf ball in both directions. Um and listening to him yesterday, he's, uh, he's just sort of playing, playing golf and without really worrying too much about his technique. Obviously, he's not got a coach anymore. He's got a few friends who are just helping him out. Um, so he's just on the golf course and he's working the golf ball um, both sides and being creative. And, and he's just playing golf, which I, which I think is, is exactly what, why he's been successful in his, in his very short comeback so far. I think, I think the one thing that is interesting, Andy just said there, that he is, um, kind of reverting back to how he used to swing. Obviously, it will never look the same as how he used to swing because his body type has changed so much. But I would say if his body type was like this when he was younger, the swings, like Andy said, would be very, very similar. And what is he now? Five mile per hour club head speed more. 
you know, he's standing on the first tee, doing his old recoils, pitching it 300 yards. And the mindset, obviously, for Tiger maybe was, you know, I remember him being asked the question about hitting down, on, hitting up on the golf ball with his driver. It was very much a no-no a few years ago. He wanted to feel as though the fade, hitting down, getting into the fairway was the key to do it, get around a golf course. But now he's he's sort of, he's hitting back up on the golf ball. Don't know how much, but I'm sure he's maybe one to one and a half degrees up on the golf ball now, which is just a massive change for him compared to five years ago. And it's so, we're, we're smiling now as we're talking about it, by the way. We all are. Guys, <laughs> you, you mentioned the club head speed in, in, in swinging um, five miles per hour faster we saw it. we've all seen the numbers you know 129.2 on that drive on 14 at, at tampa which is previous uh back in five six years ago 124 right uh neighborhood how from a instruction standpoint from you from your from where you guys sit is he able to swing the club that much faster and get that kind of club head speed with his back fused yeah i mean he's obviously fit now you know, I just think that maybe we did, we weren't aware of how injured he has been, and you know his and maybe his philosophy on how he hits a drive. I mean, I don't know. You got to look obviously the body, and maybe mentally, five years ago he, he was missing a lot of fairways and was a little bit worried about how to approach it. So it was almost like he was doing his go-to knockdown clutch shots on every shot. Whereas now he rarely will do that. You know, it looks like he just wants to unload with everything. Well, not everything he's got, but with the majority of what he's got now. Because his body just allows him to do it, but maybe his mind is allowing him to do it as well. Yeah, and I think I, I certainly see that his uh, his golf swing is just a lot more free. And as Pierce mentioned before, he was you know in in previous years when he was maybe a little slower, he was he was trying to get the golf ball in play. He was trying to maybe swing a little bit more left, hold on to the shaft lean a little bit more. But he's he's totally now going. Well, I'm going to hit up on this. He's releasing all the energy. He's, He's he's just really having a go at the golf ball and not really, not really trying to control the ball flights. I think he's sort of just he's just freewheeling really, which is nice to see because he just looks like he's back to his old sort of speed and ways, and uh, you know not really worrying too much where it, where it goes. Um, guys, do do you think there's at some stage now that he's also thinking about these guys around him who are like who are smashing it like fifty yards past him, and he's probably thinking there's an ego in there going out of it. I can't be having this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, look, Tiger has always been distance-obsessed. Um, it was one of the great things he did early in his career. That was one of the big advantages was his ability to hit it past everyone. And I think one of the big questions, you know, we all had was, you know, in this comeback, would he be able to keep up with how far these guys are hitting it? Because that was such an advantage early in his career that it seemed like it would be a disadvantage at this point in his career, yet here he is with that kind of club head speed, hitting it every bit as far as Justin Thomas. You know, I watched him at Honda hitting three wood as far as Jason Duffner was hitting driver, you know, with, with no problem. And um, we're seeing him right up there, 309 or so yard uh, driving distance average off the tee, which is at 42 years old, four back surgeries, a fused back, you know, all the other surgeries is incredible to me. Right. Now, my, my, my question is, and, and I notice a recurring theme you guys keep bringing up, is that he's hitting up on the driver. So is that the way to get optimal distance and spin is to hit, to try, to feel yourself hitting up as you swing a driver? I think if you're not too concerned about um, accuracy, I think certainly if you want to optimize your drives, then look, you're hitting up is definitely going to help you. But a, 
I mean, you look at somebody like Rory, who we saw in uh, at the back end of last year. He was hitting hitting like five degrees up. Um, but you look at somebody like Garcia, who hits down the golf ball. Um, Garcia probably could hit up on the golf ball with his driver, but he wouldn't be as accurate. Um, so it's it's there's a you can maybe sacrifice for some people a little bit of accuracy, but if you want to get the golf ball out there, then hitting up on the golf ball is definitely going to give you some extra yards. I think you know we we would 100 percent. For any amateur golfer listening to this, if they want to optimize, then yes, hitting up is good. Um, but again, it needs to fit into their game plan. Obviously, there's the the issues that happen, you know, can be caused by hitting up on the golf ball. Maybe it maybe isn't quite as accurate or they feel that, you know, getting the golf ball up in the air a little bit more as well is a little bit more inaccurate as well. But you know what? It's more fun, isn't it, hitting up on guys? Sure. Right, exactly. It's way more fun. Now, you, you know what? You bring up Rory McIlroy, and that's somebody else we want to ask you about. So Rory seemed to be struggling lately. He's he, he's missing some cuts. He's putting up some high numbers. Is there anything that you guys see specifically that Rory's doing in his swing with the delivery of the club to the ball? Especially with his irons, because that seems to be uh, one area he's struggling with. Distance control, accuracy, still driving it pretty well. Um, that's always been a great attribute of his game as tremendous driver of the golf ball. But iron play really seems to be struggling. And, of course, the putting which has always been probably the weakest part of his game and uh, seems to be struggling there as well. So I'm curious, yeah, what do you guys see that Rory is doing with his irons in particular? Because he, he is a tremendous ball striker, but there does seem to be something that's off at, at the moment. Do you know what? I think it, it's, it's a great discussion, obviously, because he is uh, outside of Tiger. He is, I suppose, still the number one draw. I, 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 we, get, we spend a lot of time over in the States Especially for you guys, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely in Europe, massive draw. But we still see a lot of people in the States talk about Rory as well, um, you know, as much as they would perhaps talk about DJ and speak. But I think over the last two years, he has played probably less tournament golf than he's ever done for the last 20 years almost. So I think with that amount of golf that's been missing and being concerned about injuries, you know, you've you got to look at it that way and go, well, it, does he just need more tournament golf? Because if you look at his golf swing, there's no real reasons technically why he may struggle with those irons. So you then look at it, well, is it down to his strategy and his tactical performances when he's playing golf? But I, I think really, you know, give him time to play. And, and he's, never, he's never been a player who's dominated every event. He's not like Tiger when he would play a full season and, and you know, be competing in every event. Rory can be a bit streaky. Um, but when he's on, obviously we know he's great. But he probably plays his he probably plays his seasons in spells like sort of months or six week spells when he is virtually unbeatable. And I think I just think he'll do it again this year because when we spoke to him in uh, was it October November last year, he he seemed really fired up for it and frustrated that he hadn't been able to compete all of last year. Even though when he was playing events, he never felt like he was really involved in those events. I don't think. One of the things he said after missing the cut at the Valspar, he said on the technical side of things, the club at the top of his swing is having to travel a greater distance back to the ball, and that's that's just made it hard for him when he's got to use his hands more than he should. The swing looks back to the longer. Ball. The yeah. swing looks longer. He's getting past parallel. Yeah. Remember before, Rory was short of parallel. Now it seems to be like he's getting too parallel with the club head. I don't know if that's a wrist set. I'm not sure what that is. But is that part of what's causing it? Would he be better off to stay short of parallel? Um, I mean, Rory's always generally been sort of quite loose and, and, mm. and long when he, was, when he was younger. And I know some of the strength work that he's done 
in the gym has certainly sort of tightened things up and it's looked a little shorter. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, going a little long can certainly throw the timing out, more so with the amateur guys, but, you know, at their level and at Rory's level, you know, if it's changing and going a little bit longer, it can certainly have a, an effect on his timing. And I think because he's so mo- mobile and because maybe his, his previous golf swings, he's, he's probably going to go back and revert to type every now and again. But, you know, short, a shorter, more synced up backswing is, is, is always beneficial. Do you make anything of him having his swing coach come over? He's been with him now for the last two events. Is that something that is, is shocking that he's had his swing coach come over and work with him? Or is that something that's pretty normal? Yeah, I think that's, that's that's quite normal for a lot of these guys. Obviously, if he's in the middle of doing some changes that they would have maybe discussed towards the end of last year, then he's definitely going to be um, just wanting to make sure that he's on the right track with us. And I think that's fine. I mean, we see it a lot with, with, with golfers over the years. I think the one thing, just going back to the shorter swing uh, question, I mean, if you look at the, the majority of the, the best players in the world, when they're hitting a short time, they will take length off backswing and through swing for sure. So they'll have shorter backswings, shorter through swings um, to try and lower the ball flight and get it in on the ground a little bit sooner when they've got the short irons. And the thing for Rory is, because he's so long off the tee, averaging over 300 yards, the majority of approach shots that he's hitting are probably going to be between 150 and 100 because he just drives it in the fairway and long most times. So, that's, I suppose, where he'll be wanting to be conscious that he wants to get better. So he'll probably be saying, well, my swing's a little bit long for that length of cl- length of shot, which is then obviously going to allow him to s- try and shorten it to lower the ball flight and get the ball on the green a bit sooner. And, That's and what it, I would assume from that display. Yeah, and it, it is amazing that from that distance, that is that is sort of becoming, a um, at least recently, mm-hmm. an Achilles heel for him. That's the, the wedge distance isn't you know the distance control not quite there there seems to be a level of swinging sort of going out at a hundred percent a little like jason day there's not a lot of differentiation um of course day has it generally has a tremendous um wedge game and certainly short game in that respect do you guys think that's it look this is golf it happens certainly is there anything you're seeing from a technical standpoint in terms of rory's short irons that he the reason he's maybe missing left or missing right or, or missing long um, or short, those sorts of things, struggling with really the scoring clubs in his bag? I think, I think from a technical aspect, you could, you could really look and try and, and, and try and break it down to, to what's causing the problems. But I, think, I don't really think it's, it's too much of a technical issue because it's, it's, you know, I actually just think from what Pierre said as well, you know, Rory hasn't competed a lot. Mm. He's just got to be patient with actually um, – the process of what he's doing, get back competing, get back playing, and just and, and get back on the golf course and, and find a way to get it close. A lot of these guys, and you look at Tiger sometimes, especially in previous years, even when he was swinging it poorly, he would still find a way to compete, even with his B game, and get it in play and, and do that. And I think a lot of the guys, when it goes wrong, it, it's not as easy for them to do that. So I think from Rory's, from Rory's um, side of things, I do think really, if he's patient, He's got to be careful not to change too many things mm. because if you start just always going back to technique, then it's dangerous. But I think if right. he's patient and he just keeps playing, the scores will come. And, you know, he'll find it. Good players will find a way to get the golf ball around the hole, no matter how they're swinging it, really. Yeah, and that's and one... he's up for it, guys. Don't be sure for that. He is up for this year, 100%. Yeah, one good thing about Rory is, and last week we spoke to uh, Keith Sabarbaro from TaylorMade, and he had told us that Rory yeah. is, is one who doesn't like to do a lot of changing. He sticks with what he has, yep. Yep. and he knows that when there's an issue, it's generally the Indian and not the arrow. 
And so that's one good thing about Rory is he'll stick with what he's doing and probably get it straightened out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, when we spoke to him as well, he was very um, simple with his thoughts on his golf swing, which was refreshing to hear, you know, you know, for such a good, talented golfer like himself who swings it technically great. He was he ke- he keeps it so simple, you know. He, he doesn't really think so, doesn't he? I think he's he's, he's like uh, he's like DJ in that respect. You know, they both really understand what they do, but then when it comes to actually, you know, working at what they want to, what they're working at their goals, and they keep it so so simple. And another guy who keeps it simple, but likewise struggling, Jordan Spieth missing the cut, uncharacteristically shaky with the putter. We've we haven't really seen any consistent good putting from Jordan this year. It's it's just hard to argue otherwise. And we saw it again at the Valspar, a tournament he's won in the past. You know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a technical thing. Obviously, there's a mental component to it that plays into it because the more, obviously, you start missing, the especially in an area of your game that's typically strong, um, that's going to have an effect and, and creep into maybe some technical things. What do you guys see when you watch Jordan Spieth right now on the putting green in terms of his stroke and what he's doing and maybe why he's not making the putts that we're all used to um, seeing him make. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it, it sounds absolutely bizarre that we're talking about it. Right. You know, Completely sort of bizarre. Putting, yeah. isn't it? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's very strange. And again, I think when you look at something like that, technically, you're never really going to see anything massively out there. Obviously, yes, there can be times you can see that. But with the putting, it's very rare you will see that. Um, I mean, it may, you may... Often when someone's part of their game slips, it's because they've been focusing very hard on other parts of their game. Mm. So we, you know, we don't know. It's very easy to say, oh, Jordan Spieth is naturally a very good putter. Well, Jordan Spieth probably works at his putting probably harder than any other elements of his game. So when he then starts to improve another part of his game, then maybe he can't have the same sort of input into his putting as normal. You have a couple of bad rounds and then, you know, Jordan, obviously, you can see he gets frustrated. He's amazing at dealing with frustration, but you can see that he does get frustrated when he's on the golf course. So maybe that's just playing into it. And it's just a short spell. I'm sure you're going to be, he'll be a, a multiple winner again this year because of his putting. I'm sure. Would you guys say, you know, you guys are swing coaches. You do. I've seen all the stuff online. Me and my golf. dot com. Two you, questions. Number one: Is there a pro? Like, let's say I'm an amateur. I'm a guy that likes to. I study the golf swing. I've got maybe the V1 app, and I look at this. I look at that, and I go on YouTube and study swings, and I watch golf on television. I know, like for example, DJ swinging not is not something you would normally teach because with him being so athletic, he's able to get that club face, what we would call shut at the top, which I know to him it's square because he rotates so hard open that when he gets the club back, it is square. Is there a tour pro? that you would say that's a swing that you should emulate, you could study the positions and try and mimic those? Do you want to take a quick, quick one on there on DJ and his club face? We, again, we've, we've been very fortunate, you know, dealing with, you know, obviously our relationship with Taylor Made allows us to deal with some of the best players in the world and speaking to DJ about his club face and his mind, it's square. Right. He, he says, well, look, that for me, that's square. Why, why is, you know, the why make any... Um, other adjustments in my golf swing to, you know, to compromise the fact that I can just control the club by putting it in this position. Right. So, yeah, look, yeah but, uh, so it's interesting as well with DJ with his club-based position. We would prefer more amateurs to be in that position because it creates the necessity to use the body better in the downswing. You know, so a, a, a strong club face for amateur golfers, in our opinion, is much more effective. You know, an open club face, a weak position, 
suddenly they have to do all sorts of compensation. Right. So a flat or a bowed wrist would be better off than somebody who's got a cupped wrist because then that opens up the club face and requires you to do some type of rotating of the forearms at the bottom to save it. Yeah, and yeah. some stalling of the body as well. You can't engage the body well because your, your brain is only really focused on trying to square the face up, whereas if, you, if the club face is closed, the brain, again, is focused on getting the club face squared up, but it'll do that by moving the body better. Yeah, and I mean, and you answer, to answer your question as well regarding the, you know, is there one swing to copy? Well, that's, that's such a difficult question to say because everybody everybody is so different. I mean, there's certain things that we see as coaches that myself and Pierce are constantly trying to fix, and that certainly is a an open face at the top, you know, poor wrist angles, um, maybe poor synchronizations of the synchronization of the arms and the body in the backswing. And it's amazing how many people struggle with their golf swing because of what they do during the backswing. And then it leads to a whole whole lot of compensations. And I think if you could think if you can get a better synchronization of the arms and the body and a good strong club face position, golf is so much easier if you're in that place at the top of the backswing. Right. You know, it's, it's an interesting one. This, this is again going on what Andy has said there. So I, I know obviously myself and Andy are six foot two. Adam Scott is six foot two. Now myself and Andy, we train in the gym like Adam Scott does, but he is hyper flexible. So for us to try and achieve some of the positions that he achieves, even though we're the same height, similar weight, and look relatively the same in physique, he's got a bit more money than us. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. And a green he jacket, too, to go with it. <laughs> green jacket. And a green jacket. <laughs> but it looks, it looks better than all of us, too. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, so it, 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 you know, I think if, if anyone is listening to this and wants to model himself on a golf swing, make sure you understand a little bit about them. Um, I, I'm going to throw one out there who I would say for amateur golfers who I think would work really well with, John Rahm. Because John Rahm... We know that uh, mobility-wise on his backswing, perhaps he can't get into the positions that like an Adam Scott can get into. So he's got a short backswing. He keeps the club face in a strong position. He uses his body in the downswing as a result of that. So you know what? If anybody, I think that would be quite a cool one to look at because just the fundamentals that he uses. Right. Now, let's say you're talking to amateurs here because I know we have a lot of amateurs that listen here to the Playing Through podcast. What are the top three things other than obviously the worst thing you can do is listen to your buddies on the tee box on a Saturday morning. Do not listen to your buddies. Don't. Right. <laughs> they're going to tell you, keep your head down, keep your head straight. No, I mean, all those, just stop. But what are three things that you would say the average amateur does that you see the most on the lesson tee that would help people make their golf game better? Sure. Okay, so I think I think one of the first ones is, is club face positioning throughout the backswing. I think if, um, if amateurs could improve their face throughout the backswing, and that may start with the grip change as well, making sure the grip's in a good place. But if they could, if they can manage the face better at the first part, then move away and to the top of the backswing, making sure that it's not rotating too much. You know, we always talk about we want to give the body a reason to move in the downswing. Well, if your face is open throughout, then the body's not going to really move. So um, if you can give the body a reason to move by getting the club face in a good, a good strong position throughout the backswing, like I said, really, the body can then fire on the way down, and it's it's just so the game's so much easier, and you're going to hit the golf ball a lot further as well. So when the club when the when the club reaches parallel, you would ideally want the club face to match your spine angle, correct? Are you talking about when the club's parallel to the ground for the first time or the second time? Going back, going back the first time when yeah. the, as as the club is going the back five. the first time, you would want the club face to look a little what the average person would say is a little closed, but it's parallel to the spine angle on the forearm. Leading edge running yeah. parallel to the spine angle, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and then think, and then at the top, Andy was obviously yeah. we going leading edge parallel to forearm at the top. Lead yeah, correct. The top. Correct. Okay. So what, what's another thing you would say amateurs should really work on? Something that they're maybe not working on properly, or maybe working against themselves and not helping themselves. You know what? I mean, it, it kind of goes into two. So one thing I think that a lot of amateur golfers are really bad at on the golf course is judging distances with their irons. Mm. And the number one reason for that is that actually they're not very consistent with their contact. So if they can improve their con- their consistency with their contact, they'll be able to actually understand how far they hit their seven iron, six iron and five iron. And then they'll be able to hit that number on the golf course better. So just improving their ability to strike the golf ball is massively important. And I think... Number one, number one way we can look at this is giving feedback. So whether with an iron or a driver, as well as come up with a driver, putting some feedback, so some spray or tape on the face to see whether the golf ball is coming out the heel or the toe too much. And then also maybe putting, um, we always like to spray, a, and obviously this only really works when you're on the grass, but to spray a line on the ground, put the golf ball on top of that line, hit five or six shots, and then have a look at how you interacted with the ground. Because there are a lot of golfers out there who we've taught and have seen all over the world who they'll hit a shot that they think is good and then they'll look at the ground and they'll see their divot actually started two inches before that white, that line that's on the ground. Right, and the divot, so, uh, the it, ideal divot starts after the golf ball and the deepest part is in front of the golf ball, correct? Yeah, I mean, if you can get ground and ball together, it's not the end of the world because there's no way the ground will slow the club down that much. It's the ones where, seriously, I mean, you, you'll, you'll, anyone who's listened to this, give this a try. You will hit a shot. It'll feel nice, like a normal shot on the golf course. You'll look down and you'll be shocked at where that entry into the ground was. So then, obviously, if you, if you can get that strike point and drag it, you know, as you said, on the line or past the line, definitely the ball striking is going to improve massively. Because I, as we all know, iron, you know, it's great to bomb drives. It's great to putt well. But if you don't hit the green, your scores are never going to get lower. Right. Well, Andy Pierce, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate your time. Once again, online at meandmygolf.com. Thanks so much for your time. Really enlightening. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Pleasure, guys. Awesome. Thanks for having us on. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Nice to actually talk to instructors. You know, they see the game a different way than we do. Yes, and and I always love um, guys who take a simple approach in their, in their methodology, in their teaching. You know, a small fix here, a small fix there, a simple thought, a simple drill can often have a big change, lead to a big change. Yeah, very smart thing they said there is if you're going to mimic a pro's mm. swing, make sure they're of the same height and yep. body Absolutely. body type and body weight, but you're still not aware of their of flexibility. Yeah, sure. If they're much more flexible than you, they can swing the club further, and if they're faster and their fast-twitch muscles work faster than yours do, they're able to get it back. So it really is everybody swings the golf club a different way. It's the way you deliver it to the ball that is so important. Thank you so much for listening to the Playing Through Podcast. Playing Through with Froggy, Brian Golf, and Wacker. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.